Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies, and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. Today, we are speaking with Patricia Grenzeman. Selfish, selfish, selfish that I am because she, my friend, is a postpartum doula. And I bet you there's a lot of people out there who have never heard the word. Maybe you've heard the word, not really sure quite what they do, what role they play. And that is why we are here. So again, not to, I know, be a repetitious, one of those over-the-top grandmas. They call me lovey. But yes, I'm, I'm new. He's six weeks. He's just gorgeous. And I can't stand that I'm away from him right now. But I had the honor and the privilege of spending the first three weeks with my daughter and my son-in-law and their new son. Really interesting. Really, really interesting. I mean, my goal was to make it their load as light as it could be, especially in the beginning, because first time, if this was their second or third child, you could do it standing up. And then you're, then you're driving carpool the next day, as we all do like idiots. First time, scary, the total unknown, forget who you talk to and what they tell you lies, nothing but lies until you walk through the path yourself. So it was really interesting. And again, my role, what I wanted to do was like, hey, guys, I'll be the night nurse. I'll give them to me. I'll take them. I can keep them alive. I'll feed them. I'll change them. Sleep. Sleep while you can. And they did. They took advantage of that, that, of which I was really, really happy. But then it's a little adjustment when I leave. And I really felt so bad. Anyway, enough about me. Patricia, number one, thank you so much for coming and joining us. We're so, so happy to have you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here and to talk about babies and parenting. And I, I the, can't wait. Okay. I get big, big smile that's coming through in your voice. I could see it. So clearly you found your sweet spot. I don't want to assume you love what you do, but I can hear it and I can see. I have the advantage of seeing also. So you do. So let's get started and tell us about you anywhere you'd like to start. 
My name is Patricia. I right now am living on the West Coast and just outside Seattle. And when I got pregnant with my first baby, I was teaching English as a second language at a community college here for international students. And I had been an ESL teacher for several years. And then when we found out that I was pregnant, my husband also got a promotion that would have him move to Japan ah. and stay there for three years. So it was like a little <laughs> transfer, just a little transfer. And I thought, hmm, having a baby abroad in Japan, right? What an adventure. Let's go. And so when I was like that six months pregnant, we had just about my whole third trimester to go. Mm -hmm. We moved abroad. It was right after Christmas. And we moved into our Japanese house in March. So we spent two months living in a hotel on the Navy base where we were living. And so I was super pregnant when we moved into our Japanese house and our, our all our belongings arrived. I had a friend help me set up the baby's things. And then the baby was born and my mom came and she stayed with us for six weeks. And initially we were like, oh, maybe six weeks is a bit long to have yeah. a house guest. You know, maybe we just want to go back to just the two of us. But my first baby... <laughs> was a very alert and awake baby. Uh-huh. He was tense, he was fussy. He didn't seem to love me. Mm. I would pour all my affection into him, all of my soothing snuggles and he would just squirm and just be uncomfortable. Mm. So when my mom went away after 6 weeks, we really struggled. Like how can two two grown-ups not be enough people to look after a newborn? And that whole like the whole first 6 months were a real challenge for me. Mhm. Mm because I really wanted to do a good job. We were ready for this. I had no job to go back to. We had just relocated. Mm -hmm. We had uh, a small group of like expat friends who were ready and willing to look after us. Mm -hmm. But I really struggled. And it wasn't until much later, like more than a year after I had my son, when I was visiting other new moms in uh, like American moms in Japan to like drop off meals or help them with their baby carriers or baby gear or whatever. When I started noticing that every time I visited a home, the first thing that these new moms did was apologize. Mm. Sorry about the laundry on the sofa. Sorry, I'm still in my pajamas. I didn't get a shower yet. Don't look in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. and, like I really wanted to help them because I remembered those early days. They shouldn't be apologizing to me. I should be apologizing that I hadn't come with a plan, a bigger mm. plan to support them because those first few weeks are really tough with babies. And so how I ended up becoming a postpartum doula is I went to a birth doula information session, how to become a birth doula, because I thought, well, if, if I get a couple of jobs as a birth doula, I will get to know these women. And then when I come to their homes after they have their baby, I will say, you sit down and I will take care of the kitchen. Please don't. Mm -hmm. And there won't be any mm -hmm. of that awkwardness. Right. It'll be my job. And <laughs> I can be a little bit more bossy about it, you know? And that's actually when I learned there was an actual thing as a postpartum doula. I thought there were only birth doulas, but there are all kinds. There are and all kinds. Yeah. Postpartum doula. That's exactly what I want to do. And so I started training to become a postpartum doula. And before I got certified, I realized uh, through my training and the reading that I had to do that I probably had some postpartum anxiety and depression in my first mm -hmm. year. And I mm -hmm. never would have recognized it as that because for me, it came out as feeling kind of um angry or bitter, a little bit resentful about how mm -hmm. my experience of motherhood wasn't this like lighthearted, loving glow. Correct. 
Right. It was, mm-hmm. it was a grind. It was a relentless slog and there mm-hmm. was nobody to help me. And so now when I look back, I feel like that's also depression, you know, the hopelessness of that. Yeah. And so now I work as a postpartum doula, especially to support families through those whole first three months to set them up for a better first year so that they don't feel the same pressure that I did to do it right, to do a mm. good job. And not just, I, I don't mean to interrupt, mm-hmm. not, certainly not just you, because, you know, if I said, okay, ladies and men out there, raise of hands, who could actually honestly say that same statement of we're just not doing it right? And I don't know whose eyes, just because your baby is crying, form of communication. The only thing I know I told them in the beginning, especially like day one, day two, whatever it was, was we're all new here. It's you guys have never had a baby before. Great. You know, your body's never gone through this. Guess what? New for him. He's only on the outside for two or three days or for a week. This is all new for him. He's trying to figure out this body of his and what the hell that's supposed to do. So the amount of pressure put on, and that's just you putting on. I mean, if there were other people of the, here's how you should, I don't know what, you know, of that. And and I was very conscious that I didn't want to be that my little backstory is my mother died when I was pregnant with my first daughter, mostly sucky, but yes, I was alone. I had my mother-in-law, but she worked at the time, but I also didn't have a constant do it this way, do it this way. Flip side. I didn't have my mother either. So I really tried to, with my daughter be, how do you want to do this? I can follow direction, you know? And then when they're like, I don't know, I'm like, okay, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's Google that. I, you know, you just have to be open because I think everyone eventually finds the stride, including the baby and the parents. But to think that this newborn is going to come out and just totally adjust, sleep eight hours, get up to, you know, just eat, change a diaper, and they go right back to sleep. I don't know in whose world. That was not my experience, no. Yeah, I don't think it's anybody's experience. Yeah. And so I want to make sure that new parents especially understand how much variety there is and what the Mm -hmm. first weeks look like. But for very few parents, without extra support, does it feel like a calm, relaxing, bonding, like magical time? Mm -hmm. There's, There's a lot of uncertainty. And I think with the right kind of support, it can feel doable. And you can even feel like great about it afterwards. But otherwise, I think families can be really hard on themselves. And it feels like bare survival. That's exactly, you know, just get past this day this week. Is he sleeping yet? Uh, You know, next feeding. And now with technology and all these apps where that records everything, you don't really have to worry too much about that. But let's just go back to the overall. So the postpartum doula, you're there to support the parents. And then a couple of things that you do do for them. Tell me. As an in-home postpartum doula, what I would do is uh, meet with families sometime before they have their babies to talk about what's important for them in the early parenthood experience, Mm -hmm. the things that they had prepared, whether their top priority is sleeping or eating or getting help with the baby or just learning about how to like 
bond or connect with their partner over mm-hmm. their baby, that kind of thing. And then when, when you make in-home visits as a postpartum doula, a lot of it starts with sitting down with the parents for an hour and just catching them up. How did last night go? Did you get to see the doctor for a checkup this week? What did you think about that checkup? Uh, mm-hmm. How's baby eating? And just kind of debriefing, kind of unloading all of the, the questions and the worries and the things that mm-hmm. you're proud of that your baby did this week. And then uh, for an in-home doula, there's always a question about how can I make myself useful around the house? Do you want me to make you some lunch? Shall I prepare a couple of dinners that we can put in the fridge for you guys for the rest of the week? Mm-hmm. Run a load of laundry, tidy up. Do you want me to hold the baby so you can have a shower? To hold the baby so you can have a nap? And then often there's a lot of troubleshooting things that aren't working. Often feeding, sleep, and fussiness. Those are things mm-hmm. that we we can talk about quite a lot. How to use baby gear. How do you get a car seat from the car seat? <laughs> stroller, for example. Yes, you know what I mean. The funny thing about that was, it's funny because I went with my daughter to pick out, okay, let's, uh, you know, let's get the car seat stroller combo. Okay, great. We're short people. We're like five feet. My, my daughter's like 4'11". Okay, so we need something not too heavy, we're strong, but still, you're going to have a baby in there. I know I know what that weighs. So we find one that looks nice. And then the girl says, oh, just, you know, one hand. And she does. She pulls up some latch in one hand and the, and the stroller collapses. I'm like, oh, my God, this is wonderful. Because, again, then I start to think back of all the things, uh, the pull, the this. The, so I'm like, great. See if you can lift it. Yeah, you can lift it. Fantastic. We get it. Now we use it for the first time. Now, that was a couple months ago. Take him for a little walk in the stroller. Okay. Now we're going to put the stroller in the car. And I'm like, how do you do this again? I'm like, where was it? It was easy. Why? <laughs> so finally, we remember where it was. And all of the equipment is smart, smart app wise, just designed so much smarter. But it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're tired especially when you've got a lot on your mind and when you bought it ages ago or someone else bought it for you and you don't have the version that you did all the research on or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing, feedings, let's go with feeding slash fussy, the two Fs or there could even be more because hopefully the baby is a good eater and we're going to segue into, I guess, everybody's view on nursing slash formula and then possible combos and such. Okay. So feeding some babies are not good eaters for a few different reasons. Yeah. But I love how you said at the beginning that both the parents and the baby are finding their way. Brand new, everybody. Yeah. They're brand new. And so we can say when a baby is born, getting them to the breast is right away is very important. That first latch, that first attempt to nurse baby is very important and Mm -hmm. should not be delayed. And we say that because there is like an innate ability for the baby, a knowledge, an instinct for them to find the breast mm-hmm. and to, to get what it needs from the breast. But just because that instinct is there, it doesn't mean the skill is there. And it can take nope. a baby weeks and weeks to figure out what it takes to get a good meal from mm-hmm. the breast, from yeah. like how the baby and the mom match. Mm-hmm. anatomically or even behaviorally, how do you put the baby to the breast? How do you right. hold the baby? How do you burp the baby? And sort of what's the mood around feedings? 
So for our breastfeeding, some of the biggest challenges are figuring out if the baby is latching well, what to do when it hurts, because something must not be working with the latch if it hurts for a long time, mm-hmm. so entire feeding or more. And then of course, for breastfeeding, some of the other struggles are if you produce a lot of milk, you can have clogged ducts or mastitis. And like those things can come with very sudden fevers and extreme fatigue. And how do you keep up looking after a baby when you're so sick? Mm -hmm. So that can be a challenge. And then of course, the feeling that the baby's not, if the baby's not getting enough, how Mm -hmm. do you make more milk? And how do you decide to supplement with formula? With which formula? (laughs) How do you prepare the formula and Mm -hmm. how in advance? And if your baby has been nursing for weeks and weeks, how do you get them to take a bottle? So trying to figure out how to include your partner in that, if you're breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. how to include your partner for bottle feeding, and then like, which pump do you choose? If you want to start collecting milk for later feedings, like if you have to Mm -hmm. go to work or you want to be able to take a trip or to hand the baby off to grandma for a day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. shopping or whatever. Yeah. There are many things that new moms especially feel like they have to find their way. And often the pediatrician is not the most helpful person to answer questions about those topics. And so then you have to find a specialist, a lactation specialist out Mm -hmm. in town and yeah, really find your way for whatever you and your baby have going on. Interesting because my oldest was the worst nurser ever. And Mm -hmm. I was one of these, this hurts like hell, get this kid away from me. And I couldn't figure out why all my friends like loved this. And I'm like, what are they even talking about? And I quickly, I'm like, listen, I'll pump a little for her, for her. She'll have formula, but it's just, I'm not, uh, and I took no offense. Like I I didn't think of myself any less, or I just actually thought my friends were crazy. The ones who did nurse, because they obviously have a very high threshold of pain because it wasn't pleasant. But then when I had my second and my third who were natural and the minute, like from second one latched on. And I was just like, oh, now I get it. Now but you, you tried it again. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A whole other reason for this podcast. And believe me, it's taken me a lot of years. But even then, as a 25 year old who just a motherless mother, in essence, I was kind on myself. I really was. I like, oh, yeah, believe me, I can be rough on on a lot of other things because I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. I had one book to read. That's all. I just didn't know. And, you know, there wasn't the support in the community that there is now 36 years ago. So yeah, no, I, mm-hmm. um, I'm always of the, of the mindset that they don't come with the instruction book. They don't, you know, you buy, you buy the littlest thing, you buy a little, like little light bulb, the little like slap on touch light that comes, you know, it comes in five different languages and they hand you the human and they're like, okay, bracelets match. Good luck. <laughs> Cause usually, and I don't know if it was like this for you, especially that first one, when you both, when you come home and you actually bring that baby home, do you take a moment, look at each other and be like, I can't believe they let us take a baby home. Like now, what are we <laughs> like? Yeah, what I was are laughing we with a friend. Do? I was laughing with a friend just this week. Like, how do hospitals decide that we are the most qualified person to look after this baby? And because then send us home? 
and you are and you do and it does work out once everyone just takes a little bit of a breath and the feeding obviously it's part it's the essential piece in the beginning to keep the child alive clearly and it takes a little time to really find the traction so i heard you say that a lot of your services then are in person do you do any i'll say doula-ing because i love making up words online yeah, so I did work as an in-home doula for several years, mm-hmm. and then I got pregnant again. I, I finally decided that I was ready to give it another shot, you know, okay. the first year of parenting, because it was it was a really hard time, and I it mm-hmm. took me a long time to feel that I was ready to go through the possibility of the deep pits that I went through mm. emotionally as a mom in that first year. And so right before my daughter was born in the spring of 2019, I took my mm-hmm. entire business online and okay. I only offer virtual doula support. And of course, the following spring, March 2020, mm-hmm. we and all know what happened went online. So I have been doing virtual doula care, postpartum support, especially online ever since. That is amazing, which means that anybody can, and especially if you were becoming parents in 2020, when even if you wanted to really be in person and support, you really couldn't. It was difficult, of course. And and honestly, I mean, still is right now, still, still is, but we know a little more so we can prepare a little better. So talk to me about, because again, this is where I'm going to really show my age. You know, my kids, let me describe what our cribs looked like. Okay. So first we had bumpers. We had uh, probably a mobile. We had a busy box or something, you know, for them to play with. Uh, Oh, definitely a pillow and a blanket. (laughs) All of those things. And now these babies wrap them up and swaddle them and lay them on their back. The new way. The new way. So that keeps them nice and tight. Is that reminding them of what they had, obviously, in the womb? Not a lot of room to move. Yeah, there's this feeling, evidence, or I guess that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, when babies are swaddled, it keeps them from startling themselves awake, Mm -hmm. first of all. Mm -hmm. So swaddled babies tend to sleep a little bit more restfully. And it seems like when babies are especially fussy, or restless, or like hard to soothe, Mm -hmm. often like swaddling them nice and snug tells them that they're safe and cocooned. And it helps them self-regulate, I guess. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So with the, oh, I know I had a question that my daughter wanted to ask, which is, so while you're breastfeeding, she's doing both. So she'll nurse, she'll pump, and wonderful. He also takes formula. So everybody gets involved in feeding him. So while she's nursing, like she start, she lost a lot of weight, I'll say initially, while still really eating and watching her diet and, and really making sure she's got the protein and the hydration and the coconut water and all of that. But then she now she's at a point where she's like, am I gaining weight because I'm nursing? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, let's not even get crazy now because the best thing someone told me, and I gained like 60 pounds my, with my first order was, not, and that was because Stephanie just thought she could eat till the cows came home and she did, but it also takes your body nine months to get to where it is. 
So the fact that we'd be like, well, the baby's six weeks old and I'm not in my old clothes anymore. And I can kind of start to hear that a little in a little undertone in which she's saying, so what do you find that while breastfeeding, should it be expected to, obviously you lose initially a lot of the fluids and stuff from having the baby, but now your body's producing other stuff. Mm -hmm. So what can one expect? It's hard to say uh, definitively, but I think look at your own history with how your body works to decide whether you want to change how you're fueling yourself in this time of recovery and feeding another person in a way that makes you feel good. Getting back to the way your body looked and was shaped before you had the baby is important. Breastfeeding is supposed to help that because Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. are contributing calories from your own body to feed another person, but not more calories than one adult meal provides. I don't know the numbers off by heart, but it's between 300 and 500 calories a day to produce breast milk Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. a baby. So that doesn't mean you can eat anything you want. Most breastfeeding people do find that they lose weight fairly steadily if the baby feeds from the breast primarily. So you've got the new arrival of the baby. You've got the mother's recovery. We haven't really quite touched on that. We just brought this human into the world and it could have gone one of two ways. And usually on your first, unless unless you know for a fact, you're not really planning on a section. And when it happens, it can be a little, I'll say disruptive. Mm -hmm. Surgery, obviously more healing, especially in the beginning. So what's some advice for, let's just say, ladies, you've just had the baby and you did. The baby came via section and what can we do? By a C-section. Yes. Take your time and try to stay mobile. I feel like most of the advice from doctors is to go for short walks, even Mm -hmm. after you've had a C-section. But I think The old-fashioned wisdom here applies as well, where you spend a week in the bed, a week on the bed, and a week by the bed. So like three full weeks where you're not doing much, both for yourself and for your baby, with your baby, Mm -hmm. to sort of let your body heal. Because even if you've had abdominal surgery to deliver your baby, your uterus still needs to recover from the surgery and from the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Like one thing that um, someone told me just this past week is that they had a C-section and still they bled for five weeks afterwards as if they were having their period. And for some reason it makes sense. And they were like, I mean, I get it, but I didn't expect it. It surprised them that even though they hadn't birthed their baby vaginally, there was still vaginal bleeding. I was also surprised because I had vaginal births and that came, you know, that came as part of it. Okay, great. That's the after. Right. We were on that, but I was very surprised that Mm -hmm. it was also happening just postpartum. I'm like, huh. So just when we think we know, we don't. I love hearing comments like this from new parents because it tells me which of the information they've received from their doctors that has stuck and which information maybe they they didn't receive or didn't stick. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in your case, having had vaginal births and experiencing the bleeding after, and then having a C-section and still being surprised, 
that means that there's something missing in the discussion about what happens when the placenta detaches from the uterus, Mm -hmm. then your uterus needs to recover from the wound that is left behind. And it does that the same way it does when we have our periods. So all these years later, never, ever, ever knew that. Uh, Just again, Mm -hmm. love learning, love Mm -hmm. learning something new. What about if you're a couple, it's very hard or it can be hard for two people to come together to survive in the first few, the first few weeks, really the first, I'll say the first four, survival. It's just survival. And sometimes I think one partner will, and it doesn't matter which one. My son-in-law, he was the master swaddler. He was dirty diaper. He's mine. You got it. You know, I'm like, okay, here you go. We always had, we played a little game. I'm like, not it. Here you go. You can take your son and clean it on up. And we all have very different ways of changing a diaper and how much is too many wipes. Does it matter as long as the job gets done and the kid gets clean? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun to watch. It truly is. But he had never changed a diaper before ever. And while they were in the hospital, I guess they were trying to swaddle. And finally, my daughter said, you know what, let's ask the nurse to show us. And he practiced and I mean, master swaddler. I couldn't even come close. And and so it was nice that each one kind of, you know, picked their little lane to, I've got this one, you do that type thing. And like in any partnership, obviously that's important, but it doesn't always happen in the beginning because it's just the newness of the whole family unit, the newness of the life that changed forever. (laughs) when that little one came in. That's one of the things that I really like about doing virtual support is because mm-hmm. I can check in with families more frequently. When I was mm-hmm. doing in-home visits, it was two visits a week during the day for a couple of hours at a time. But now I can check in with families every day and see how it's going. And so one of the things that we can talk about is for the birthing parent, usually the mom, uh, will say, how do you feel about letting your partner take over mm-hmm. for the afternoon? Or how comfortable are you letting them do this their own way? And then mm-hmm. at the same mm-hmm. time, we, we can talk about partners who feel hesitant or reluctant or, or uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. My husband had never held a baby before he held our son. Even though I had experience, like more experience with babies, there was a lot that I didn't know either. And sometimes I didn't want to like hold the baby for a while. I had had enough and I needed mm-hmm. him to mm-hmm. take the initiative. And just look after the baby for a while so that I could pull myself together because I was right. frustrated or exasperated. I was tired. And so to hear that your son-in-law was taking the initiative, I will look after this and this. Mm-hmm. I will become an expert on this uh, yep. topic with my yep. son. He calls that is it. Yeah. such a, a great balance for a family yeah. to take so that it doesn't all land on the mom. Absolutely. And lately I know, and I'm just, you know, when you're with the baby all day, And again, this is all, this is new. She's still on leave from work. And this is, by the time, you know, he comes home from work, is there a handoff? Oh, God, yes. You know, she's like, okay. As we all, as we all, as we all need, want, and then there's no, no shame there. There's, 
I'm sure the baby even wants a, a little break from you. It's just, it's been a constant, let's just take a little break. Let's just put him down. And granted, as he gets a little older and now he does, he can lay down. And the joke is if he's like in the pack and play, he's reading the the safety tag, you know, that. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> but yeah, it just takes time. Indeed. Yeah. And the sense of trust between the partners to mm. let them, just let them take care of it and not to rescue each other constantly. Yeah, that is interesting because there are, I know a few people that, yeah, they're going to do it all. It's me, 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 and I'm going to do it all. And, you know, unfortunately, you know how it's going to end. There's Mm going to be some sort of a burnout, some way, shape or form, because you just really need to give yourself a little time and, your identity doesn't change or just the idea of what people might think or say, who, who are these clowns anyway, number one. And anyone who has gone through it knows they absolutely do. Yeah. I, I feel like we're all trying to live up to this as a mom. I'm speaking for myself mm-hmm, and for, mm-hmm. for my friends who have confessed mm-hmm. this as well. We're trying yeah. to live up to this standard. But trying to define the standard is it's, impossible because it, it does not exist. There's no like star chart or whatever mm-hmm. where you can say, nope. I did all of these things. And so the outcome nope. is a baby who is like this. And that can be a really hard thing to let go of when yeah. you're trying so hard to do it right and do it all. So I thought I thought I probably had postpartum depression, but there is a legitimate diagnosis of postpartum burnout as well. Really? That's a real mental health diagnosis that you can get from a professional because we do push ourselves very hard. If we set a standard for ourselves, that doesn't take into account like our capacity or Mm -hmm. the the potential in our possible, like in our baby. And we don't relinquish control. Control is overrated. And again, even that, you know, that bar that we hold so high, I always say, you know, keep it on the ground this way. Pleasantly surprised when you reach anything, you'd be like, oh, look at that. I made it. Oh, okay. As opposed to, oh, I was so close or no, no, no. Keep it on the ground. Always. Yeah, life, life goes up and down and up and yeah. down up and down. You cannot keep yeah. the hot, the bar so high every day. Right. That is right. not where you or your life ever goes. So if somebody perhaps hears something familiar in what you're saying, and especially with the perhaps the depression or the burnout, where can they turn to? What should they look for just for a little help and assistance? Because that's really important. I am a big fan of therapy. If, mm-hmm. if you've mm-hmm. had appointments with a counselor or a mental health professional in the past, I would strongly urge you to set some appointments up before and after your due date, if you're pregnant, just to talk to someone that you're already comfortable with and familiar with about what's coming up and what's on your mind and to Mm -hmm. see if they have any tools that they can provide you, you know, depending on the things that you feel you're vulnerable to, like, do you set standards for yourself that are unrealistic? Or do you have expectations for yourself that you think will bring you down in the early weeks? Or do you struggle to trust others to meet your standards or expectations, or if you are prone to anxiety or feelings of hopelessness or cynicism, like for me, talk to somebody 
who is well-versed in postpartum depression or anxiety, or they're called postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. That's the new term for mental health issues during the postpartum period. And just see what kind of tools they have to offer you for managing those thought patterns. And if you're feeling that meeting with other new moms to see that you are not alone and you are not crazy and you are not going to break the baby because mm-hmm. you are this way, mm-hmm. find a support group that of other new moms with newborns who are meeting in your area or online and connect with them and share your stories. And that can be hugely empowering just to make you feel like, yeah, again, you're not alone. And you're, you're not, not alone. You're not the first. You're not the only one. Mm-hmm. And even though you know that, you know that, you know, you're not the only one. But to hear somebody else with your thoughts who has your exact same experience can really take the weight off. Yeah, there's definitely some power in numbers and then just the validation. Absolutely. Uh, And a a good doula can do that as well. And I spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time with new parents, especially in the online work, talking about expectations and like what's realistic, what's possible. What would the best case scenario look like for the next day? And what are some small steps we can take to get there? Just having somebody who is well, like well-rested, who is an expert <laughs> and who is not, not at all biased, not judgmental, not, not judge. Uh, exactly. No With agenda. Those, who has no, no skin, agenda it, right. no work, skin um, in the game. Just, you just, just know what, what brain to work. Help you yep. process mm-hmm. what's going on can be so, mm-hmm. so helpful for your mental and emotional well-being. Some postpartum, if you find yourself with some anxiety or some depression, and given you do take some steps to address it and for treatment, is there a, it lasts approximately, you know, is it as the hormones are resetting in your body? Is there, like, it's very common right in the beginning postpartum, or it might show itself, you know, in the first 90 days or so, is there any timetable where it shows or, or how long it lasts? Yeah, there's a, a general consensus that in the first two weeks, women can feel very weepy after giving mm-hmm. birth mm-hmm. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or kind of uh, just really emotional about the things that they see on TV or the things their husband says or just mm-hmm. watch their baby can trigger a real flood of emotions in the first two weeks. And that's considered to be like closely tied to the hormone shift that happens as your body recovers Mm -hmm. and shifts from pregnant you to birthing you, which takes a whole another set of hormones to Mm -hmm. the you from when you're not pregnant. And then like 10 years ago, I think most doctors would have said the postpartum depression is when depression symptoms exhibit within the first nine months to a year postpartum. But I think more and more that period is getting stretched within the first two years postpartum, maybe. Okay. And it tends to be associated with the pressures and stresses of parenting. And it can resolve itself when you get far enough away from birth, I guess, as your baby grows, but it can linger. And it may be associated with depression that you had ages ago. That's not associated with pregnancy or postpartum. And there's also, you know, potential for prenatal depression or anxiety. So I think it's important to remember that if you're not feeling like yourself, if you're finding it hard to feel like you, like your Mm -hmm. normal self, that you can wait it out and see what happens. Or you can talk to someone who will validate that 
there are medical diagnoses that you can like check off a list and get actual help for because it's you don't have to live with it. You don't have to wait it out and see what happens. There are treatment options available. I love that. All right. Where are we going to find you at, Patricia? Where are you hanging out? What is there a website? We want to explore more about some doula services. Where do we find you? I am uh, really active right now on Instagram stories. I'm sharing uh, lots of tips for families who are preparing to meet their baby, how to prepare themselves, how to prepare their house, what to know about newborns and baby care, and especially the postpartum community that's out there to support you. So Instagram stories, that's at ppdulapatricia. That's my handle there. Okay. Uh, we'll and, have that in the show notes. Okay. And then my website, patriciagrenzeman.com. And that's where you can find out about the work that I do and how to connect with me so that you can have just a more, a more supported, confident, and calm fourth trimester with you and your family. Mm. And I've never heard it referred to it that way. I like that a lot. Right. Yeah, I yeah. love that. We look after parents so much in the third trimester, come for extra appointments, extra scans, extra checkups. Right. And then you're released from right, the medical right. Here care. You go. That mm-hmm. whole fourth mm-hmm. trimester afterward is special. Like it is completely set apart from the rest of your life and we should treat it that way. And as your doula, as a postpartum doula, I make sure that we remember this is a time in your life that extra support can really make a difference between like a just barely surviving experience and an experience that makes you feel like strong mm-hmm. and thriving. Like you really got the most out of these precious early weeks with your baby. Love that. Mm. Oh gosh. Okay. I got to end there. Cause it's so good. It's so, so I good. Got <laughs> I know it. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, this has been extremely informative. I love learning new things. Mm. And I know we're going to hear from the comments website, joyfoundhere.com. Let's do it. And then also anywhere you're hearing us on Apple, on Spotify, love for you to leave a five-star review. Not that I'm going to tell you what number, but five is usually a nice one to go. It's a good one. It's a good one. They say it's important. I don't, I never look, but they say it's important. So I listen to what they say. And I really appreciate again, week after week, you guys, you never fail. And it really means a lot to us. Thank you. Until next time. Be well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.